This is Sunday Skate on Sports Radio WEEI. The first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins and the NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. With Ken Laird from the Mudd and Callahan Show. What a bunch of criminals. We ought to be in jail. That's all there is to it. WEEI.com Bruins writer Matt Kalman. Leave the killer! This Sunday Skate is brought to you by Wise Snacks and by Star Market, the official supermarket of the Boston Bruins. He's just winning. You know, we got a lot of losses. To yeah, we got a lot of losses. Lace them up for some beast talk right now on Sports Radio WEEI. Things happen for a reason. We have chances to tie it again. Doesn't. Uh, things happen for a reason. And I truly believe that. We'll be back here for game seven. Uh, you, you said that. You'll be back every game seven. What we will. What gives you the confidence that you'll because be game we seven? will? <laughs> because I said so. Torts is dead. getting there. He's They're climbing. Dead. He's ratcheting up to ten out of ten. Torts. Matt Cowman's here from WEI.com. Pete Blackburn from CBS Sports. Giftmaster himself. And we got to get a Columbus perspective on the Tortorella guarantee. So we'll do that here in the bonus hour of the show, leading you to ten o'clock today. Bumping Reamer, Bradfoe, and Wiggy for an hour. Sunday skate presented by Wise Snacks and Star Market. Brian Hedger is on the line. He covers the Jackets for the Columbus Dispatch. And I don't know, if, Brian, if you were there for the Tortorella Exchange post game, but uh, what's it been like this year covering Torts? And how in or out of character was that guarantee from uh, Tortorella here in 2019? <laughs> well, hey guys, um, it was totally in character uh, for him from the two seasons that I've covered him. I was there last night, and honestly, when I was watching the press conference uh, before he even said the first, uh, you know, guarantee. Uh, yeah, I'm in my head. I'm thinking, you know, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. And then he said it, and I was like, oh, he said it. And then you know, you knew the follow up was coming, and I'm like, don't, don't follow up, don't follow up. And he did. And uh, the thing is, really, the only reason I said that is just because, um, I mean, he said the exact same thing with the exact same word last year in the exact same situation in the first round against the Washington Capitals, and they went home to game six, and they got blasted oh. six to three. Wow, I didn't know that. That's oh, the wow. history now. Okay. So he, yeah, so he, the exact, yeah it was, I mean, it's word for word. You can look it up. Just Google it. You'll find it immediately. I mean, he said the same thing. We're coming back here for game seven. We'll be back here for game seven, that kind of thing. And then, you know, they got blasted six to three in game six. So I was a little surprised only from that aspect that he came out with it again. Um, but it is. John Tortorella, and you know John Tortorella is not going to back down to anybody, and he's you know supremely confident in himself and his team. And uh, I mean, I, I think that's part of it. And I also think, I mean, he probably would never admit this, or nobody would ever admit this, but I think that he's probably you know in a pressure packed situation, trying to take all the pressure on himself and take mm-hmm. it off his team as well. Yeah. So do you think the how do the players really respond to this? I mean, I just in relation to how they've played for him all year and then and then now with this I mean taking the pressure off is one thing but does it does it motivate them at all you think yeah I don't know I mean I, I don't I don't honestly I don't think much of, of uh, the stuff he says in press conferences you know gets registers that much mm. with the guys yeah I think I think it kind of goes I think they've learned over the years it kind of goes in one year and out the other a little bit I mean I'm sure they they pick up on certain cues here and there when he's you know angry with somebody or whatever but most of it, I think, just kind of you know goes by the wayside. And, and they've said before 
to us that, you know, the torts that you see in the media is not necessarily the same torts that right. you see behind closed yeah. doors. And Riley Nash is actually one of those guys that said that this year, former Bruin. Um, it's his first year with torts. And he basically said that, you know, you guys see one torts and we see another one. So, right. you know, I, I don't think it'll have a, a ton of effect. Um, I, those guys are, are going to want to try and win that game regardless of what their coach says. And what wasn't high on my list to ask you about uh, coming into this interview, Brian, but what about Riley Nash and the, the lineup changes here for Columbus? They, they were going with 7-D. Uh, how badly do they miss Nash? What's the status of him, and uh, where do they go here in Game 6? Well, <laughs> that's actually one of the funnier things uh, when you look at this series. And, I mean, the, the season that Riley Nash had, he struggled quite a bit offensively uh, for the Blue Jackets this year in his first season in Columbus. Uh, he had a great season for you guys last year for the Bruins. Um, obviously filling in for Bergeron for about a month there, playing pretty well, got some, you know, racked up some points. He struggled, uh, in, in Columbus as far as, you know, scoring points. I mean, he, I think he only had two goals in the whole season, but, you know, that shows you how, how the playoffs are just, they really are a whole different season. And he has become one of their more, uh, steady players, uh, guys that you can count on, um, to make plays and to not be rattled and things like that in these playoffs. And that was actually a pretty huge loss, uh, not having him in the last two games because he was playing on that fourth line, uh, which I guess technically was the fourth line. They were actually getting third line mm-hmm. minutes. Um, but it was with Dubinsky and uh, Jenner and Nash. And those three guys had been causing some havoc in this series. And uh, you know, Nash actually made a nice play on Junior, uh, Jenner's goal that he scored in game three, I think, which turned out to either be the game Winner, it, it was one of the. I think it was a game-winning goal. But anyway, that's a big loss not having him. And then last night when they went with eleven uh, forwards and seven D, I think that was prim- primarily for two reasons. I think it was to get the uh, the Russian rookie defenseman in there without, like you know, just flat out depending on that guy. Um, you know, and that was uh, Vladislav uh, Gavrikov, and he played pretty well. Right. Uh, but you know, I think they were trying to spot him and just kind of see how it went. And as it turned out, he ended up playing about like 14 minutes, and Adam Clendenning, the, uh, the guy who had been playing you know, uh, the sixth defense role, he only played three right. minutes on five shifts. So yeah. I think they liked Gavrikov. I have a feeling they'll go back to six defensemen, 12 forwards uh, this next game. But having 11 forwards, it, it allowed them to double shift Panarin as well. Right. Well, you know, it's funny. You, you talk about playoffs being different, obviously, uh, you miss a guy like Riley Nash more in the playoffs, just like the Bruins. You know, Sean Corrali was a valuable guy in the regular season, but they missed him a lot more when he went out in the playoffs. It's just the way the nature is. You have to really lean on your four lines. But so if Nash stays out, and let's say they go back to sixty, is there a forward? We saw Texier. He doesn't seem to be able to play in this in these playoffs, at least in this series. Uh, is there a forward that they have that they haven't been using that could come in and make a difference? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really see that for sure. I mean, like, listen, T- Tessier was great in the first series uh, against the Lightning, but that's a whole different ball game. I mean, the Lightning are not built the same as the Bruins. It was a less physical yeah. series, and they practically and gave up. Able, yeah, I mean, he was able to. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he was able to to kind of uh, you know get his legs under him, and he played pretty well in that series. But this series. I mean, my God, it, it seems like the Bruins have a hit out on him or something. Every time he's in the game, they got two or three guys rushing at him to just, you know, kill the rookie, basically. Yeah, there's, there's a long-standing so, hatred between the Bruins and France, so. Yeah, well, there it is. There it is. And so, 
Yeah, I, I, Tessier is going to be a really good player in this league. I think he's going to be a really good player, but just he's it, he's overmatched in this series right now. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they came back with him again. Mm. Um, I mean, Torts really seems to love him. However, um, if you're looking for another guy to maybe come in, I I would be wouldn't be surprised if they maybe went with Marcus Hanakainen uh-huh. that comes in because he can kind of bang bodies a little more. He's a bigger guy. Uh, he's kind of built for it, and he likes that game. He likes playing the physical game, and I wouldn't be surprised to see um, you know him maybe come in and play that uh, Nash role if Nash can't come back. Yeah, you see, you see, it's funny you say Hanakainen. I hear that name like that, I automatically think Marshmallow Soft. So I'm surprised yeah. you'd even say that. You know, it's obviously no, no. He's this- actually. I- <laughs> You know, I know what you mean uh, with the fins and everything, but I'll tell you what: like uh, that that guy can that guy can mix it up a little yeah. bit, and he gets under people's skin a little bit. So uh, he, he's a, that kind of player. You know, it'll be interesting. One thing I, I still can't believe that Torts hasn't done this yet. I thought he would have done it last night. He had a line all year long that was Felino, Jenner, and Anderson, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I call it the identity line. Right. Every time he talks about it, we have to reestablish our identity. Mm-hmm. That was the original identity line, and he has not used it once in these playoffs, and I'm shocked, to be honest with you, because they dominate puck possession whenever they're together. Uh, they really drive that puck forward, so I wouldn't be surprised to see them going back to that line. I've said it before, but you know, I'll be shocked if he doesn't you know, try that out before the end of these playoffs. We know that Torts loves to run his, his best guys out there as much as possible, but you know, with the series going as deep as it is, and you know, the fact that we're getting deeper in the series, is there any concern about him exhausting Panarin, who played twenty four and a half minutes last night, and Seth Jones thirty minutes in a in a regulation? Uh, is there any concern that he's running those guys too too thin? Well, even if there is, it's not going to change. You know, like he's he he is who he is, and he's going to run those guys out there. I mean, he like he says all the time. Look, each game, you know, dictates the ice time. And when you look at these, I mean, you look at this series as a whole. Uh, Matt, you and I were talking about this last night. I mean, the Bruins, outside of the the special teams, the Bruins have dominated this series. They have. They're carrying the play to the Blue Jackets in every single one of these games, and the Blue Jackets are just trying to fend them off. And then every once in a while they get, you know, they, the Bruins kind of back off a little bit here and there, and then the, the Jackets get set up. But primarily it's been the Bruins, you know, controlling play in this series. So because of that, um, you know, Torch is gonna, he's going to use his top guys as he sees fit. And, you know, I don't think he's going to worry about, you know, the next round if there is one or the next game or anything like that. He just expects them all to be in, in peak physical condition and they should be able to handle it in his mind. Um, I mean, we'll see with Panarin. That is a lot of minutes, 24 minutes. Um, but he knew, he knew with the 11, when he went with 11 forwards that somebody was going to get double shifted in there. And, uh, I mean, that's what they do with him. And you know what? Uh, Joel Quenville used to do that. Uh, with Patrick Kane as well. I mean, some of those top players like playing a ton of minutes, and it doesn't affect them quite as much as you might think in, in the next game. So, you know, we'll just have to see how it how it all pans out uh, going forward. Brian Hedger, our guest from the Columbus Dispatch. What's your prediction? Are you going to go with Torts? Game seven coming? I don't know. I, I can't. I, I have no idea. I mean, my gut tells me no. <clears throat> just because, uh, I mean, I've seen this for five straight games, just what I just mentioned. I feel like the Bruins are outplaying the Blue Jackets in this entire series. And, you know, you, you go over those first three games, the top line for the Bruins did not 
much. I mean, I think they had one goal from Pasternak. That had become a storyline. Remember, everyone's asking, like, how are you shutting this top line down? Well, those past two games, those guys have accounted for 11 points, six goals, five assists. They're, they're going now. You know, Pasternak is red hot. It's hard for me to see the Blue Jackets stopping that, but uh, you never know with a guy like Bobrovsky if he just pulls out another, you know, amazing game and then they, they kind of get their footing. Then I'll tip my cap. Mm-hmm. Calvin doesn't like that. He also doesn't like Tortorella not being available today. So can you file a complaint on uh, Matt's behalf that no jackets are available to the press today? You, you don't you think that I'm happy about that? <laughs> oh, then you should file <laughs> the complaint. The, the, the complaint has already been filed, All right, that's uh, good. I believe. And uh, right. the request was made for availability today, but uh, I don't think you're going to get that. Unbelievable. Much. All right, Brian, hang in there with, uh, with Torts the rest of the series. We appreciate the insight. All right. Thanks for having me on, soon. guys. Thanks, Scott. Brian Hedger from the Columbus Dispatch. Bruins up 3-2. Jackets on the brink, but Tortorella says we will be back for Game 7. Game 6 now is going to be up against the Celtics, which is terrible scheduling. Again, you got this doubleheader to toggle. And that's, I mean, the Celtics now, they're on the brink, right? So this is a, you're a sports viewer here in New England. you got a real choice to make. Game 6, Bruins can put Columbus away, or Game 4, Celtics fighting for their life. Why, why is this? I just back to the NBA scheduling, I guess, which it's sucks. It's the stupidest thing in the world. Why do, why do basketball players need three days to recover? <laughs> was it was it centered around, I mean, the Philly series is today, right? That's the that's the primetime game today. Does that series take precedence somehow? The You're talking Sixers, Greek to me right now. Sixers but anyway, this afternoon? I think it's because, you know, it's especially ridiculous considering basketball is like 10 times less physical than it was 20 years ago, and they need all this extra time to rest. Well, yeah. Charles Giannis Oakley, getting, Giannis getting fouled every five seconds. I guess he needs to recover Char- from all. Charles those fouls. Oakley would have played every day in the playoffs. He would have, but uh, Hedger agrees with me. Bruins' top guys stepped up, got stepped going, up. and that's the key, that's the danger here for Columbus. Now that now that uh, Marchand, Bergeron, and uh, Pasternak are alive, it's going to be tough to put that back in the bottle. You for would game think six and seven. You would think the confidence is just overflowing right now, and they're they're. They're getting more creative. You're seeing them go to different places. They're make trying different plays, and 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 in regular in the uh, five on five, just like the power play last night, wasn't the best power play in the world. But uh, they made the sh- shorter passes. They played, you know, smarter hockey. Went back more simpler. Don't don't give them anything. Don't don't turn the puck over. Right. That's the biggest thing. Is exactly. you're going to get burned if you turn the puck over on your own end if you give them opportunities to open up the offense and, and they're not doing that over the past couple of games so that's credit to the Bruins. How did Columbus sweep Tampa? We asked this like earlier probably every week but <laughs> I said that, I said this a couple of days ago. Tampa lost that game, last lost that series in the first game. They never recovered. It's so terrible. They folded in <laughs> I think that's an innuendo we don't want. But I, it was a descriptive it's, it's term. It's such an indictment of the leadership of that team. Stamco, and I'm not even talking coaching. I'm talking players. You know, that's how we talked about Chara, you know, Bergeron. Stamkos and, and Kucherov and, and Hedman and yeah. even like the go-down guys like Callahan, they couldn't pull it back together to win a game. Yeah. That's the, I don't how do you not and have enough pride to win a game? They just, they just looked soft oh. for the rest of the series. They just... You know, you look I mean, at the way that geez. they approached their body language. They were complaining about everything just, after game one. It was they, they're just a soft team. So Columbus is, was not as good as that sweep made them appear to be, or uh, like Tampa was flawed and we just didn't see it. They were well. I, I mean, I think that you look at w- what Columbus is good at, and they they are solid at at on the forecheck and and pressuring teams. And 
Tampa just folded under that pressure. I mean, they tried to say that oh, we didn't play we didn't play competitive games the last two months of the season because they had it wrapped up and everything. But that again goes back to your leadership. You have your coaching and your leaders have to make it keep you sharp. You know, right. I mean, the the Bruins basically had a couple of weeks where they weren't necessarily playing for something. They they kept it sharp. You have to like create goals for yourself. You have to make practices harder, and they obviously you know didn't do that. Well, this is like Callahan has made this point on the morning show. And he made a point he's, about he's, hockey he likes points. He likes to get in and out with points. Yeah, we talked a lot of hockey this week. Wow. Um, but his assessment is the regular season has never been more meaningless in the NHL, and it's tough to argue that when you see well, wildcard teams flying in the postseason, but... There's the one aspect of that, but the other aspect is you have to be a wildcard team, and the Philadelphia Flyers right now are not telling you that the regular season was meaningless, you know what I mean? So, it's really hard to make the playoffs. It, yeah, I guess, but then you look at the numbers, and it's 16 teams out of 31 making it, and that doesn't seem that hard. Um, you, you can't prop the up makes the parity of the league, though, and then say that the regular season is meaningless. Right. But it, but it, it more highlights the importance of the trade deadline, which has never been more important. Oh. I mean, this, uh, at the very least, you have to hope that these teams are inspiring GMs to actually yeah, be active. That's what I said. I mean, I, I was, I was rooting for uh, for Columbus to miss the playoffs just out of straight humor uh, <laughs> with how hard they went in on the deadline. But I think that you look at what they've done in this postseason, and it's probably a good thing for the league moving forward, and and it, it it's going to motivate general managers to play it more aggressively at the deadline. Deadline, and it'll create entertaining deadlines for years moving forward. Like Matt Duchesne has proven in the series to be, oh. if not their best player, their second. It's just amazing there. how a guy was playing in Ottawa was clearly disinterested yeah. and being treated poorly, and he got revitalized. That's that's great scouting on their part to know I mean, he that he still a had this year in him. Ottawa too. Yeah, but he's just putting up points and not. You never felt like when they played the Bruins that he was engaged. That there was right. a fire in this guy that he could play this yeah. way and and carry a team the way you thought when he was in Colorado that he was going to be this franchise type player. You you wonder if it will pay off for Columbus? Like, do they hope to sign him to a long term deal afterwards? That whole get him into the city and yeah. you hope he he's charmed by the atmosphere and everything else, or, or is it merely they're going to lose this if they don't win the cup? He's out and Panarin's I, th- I think gone he's the one that they figure gone. they're going to keep. I think Panarin and yeah. Bobrovsky are gone no matter what. Those guys are gone. You sure. can't blame them for the Bobrovsky thing. If he's going to want nine million, ten million, wouldn't give you don't pay him. a thirty-something goalie that money, and it's been proven over time and again. Now, the Panarin thing, maybe they can convince him. Who knows? Maybe maybe this double shifting of him and the ice time is part of winning a hockey game, but also Tort saying, you know what. I can give you the keys, and you can do what you want out there. Well, real quick, uh, you've watched a lot of the West. Uh, you have to, Pete. You know, you cover the whole league. I haven't seen a ton of the Dallas series. What's going on over there? How do you explain the Stars being a home game, a win away from going to the Western Finals, and I guess you know Colorado hanging in there? Well, I mean, I, I like the Stars. I, I think that the only way that they win this series or any series is if their top players play up to their capabilities, and uh, Jim Montgomery mixed up the top six and he slid Tyler Sagan down and they they caught a spark from from that move and and you know their top six all of those guys are now performing up to the capability that they're that they can and they're winning games so uh, credit to them but I still think the Blues are the better team and I still would have confidence in the Blues winning in that series and San Jose is respectable obviously they've been right. you know to a cup final and recently not, but you know but Elliot Friedman on Sportsnet kind of introduced this idea of this, the playoff team and the regular season that you have to have both. And I think these teams all have that. And w- as much as the top six is carrying Dallas, they have 
great depth players. They have great but somehow like you know, all these hundred the, point the Blake, teams didn't. Vegas didn't. Winnipeg didn't. The Capitals. They, they didn't, clearly the didn't. They didn't. had they had regular season teams that didn't have enough of the mix of the I stars. Said the Vegas should have won that series. Well, yeah, the Vegas <laughs> thing. I, you have to rule Vegas out. You can't really count that. But uh, Carolina now kind of looks like the Vegas of this of this well, year. I mean, well, I mean, you look at Dallas and the move that they made at the deadline with Zuccarello. Right, perfect. Uh, he was a guy that I was hoping that the Bruins would get just right. because he's he's a guy who may not light up the score sheet, but he always comes through. It seems like every goal that that guy scores is a big goal, yep. and he's just one of those spark plug yeah. players. And he got hurt too, so maybe right. he, maybe if he plays after his first game, maybe they don't end up a wild card. Who knows? Right. You know. So meanwhile, Coyle and Johansson, who were huge, obviously in game one of the three two overtime win, they've been pretty quiet since. Johansson had a great chance that he just couldn't get over the the pad of yeah. Bobrovsky. They, they've been a, a strong save. third line, I think, for this series. I'm not going to start knocking them at this point. No, they need to be better. There definitely has to be more four line pressure attack um, to win to close out the series because clearly you're going to get a desperate team. But uh, you know, Coyle's still he's still doing the things that he has to do as far as defensively, and not they're not being a detriment. They're not getting hemmed in. And uh, we saw Coyle take some shifts on wing last night, too. So that, that's a huge thing that he does, you know, giving Bacchus those shifts off because you have yeah. to conserve Bacchus's energy. But the fourth line seems more like more prominent. They, they play yeah. I mean, well, some that, more important that was the, shifts. That was the story of the season, yeah. right? So you can't – with Corrali, that line becomes totally different than whether it's Wagner or Achari. And, and let's give Nordstrom some credit. Everyone right. ripping Nordstrom. The guy has been, been solid. Pretty good. So, he's, he's been your Dan Paye, you know, same number, same left left shot, and he's been your Dan Paye in this uh, playoff. I mean, y- you can talk about Coyle and, and Johansson <clears throat> not, I guess, falling off, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you shouldn't rely on your third line to to score and light up the score sheet and carry you to victory. So I think that they've been right. they've been playing well. And I feel like you guys can dig into the numbers. You guys like to do that. I I don't feel like they're being insulated either. It seems right. like. They're they're being out there against the Dubois and the Duchesne just as much, you know, not as much, but pretty often. He's not keeping them away. So yeah, Heinen had some chances works. last night that he just he kind of bricked. I, yeah, I feel like he's just, gonna break through eventually. It's just another day in Danton Heinen's world, right? Right. And they yeah, they've they've yeah, right. You're not counting on them, you're right about that, but it'll be something where if they if this keeps going, they'll there'll be calls for them to step up again. <clears throat> I guess everybody can't step up on every night. Now the text line is live. At three seven ninety three seven. So coming up, Calman's going to read some nasty text because I know you I have, have to. You have to, to do this. you have to give me the FCC handbook and tell me which of these words I can say on the air. All right, yeah. Pete obviously needs that I, as well. I got dumped. Yeah, <laughs> dumped the segment. It's fine. We got an uh, extra couple segments here to go. It's Sunday skate. Be a part of it. Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. Ken Laird, Matt Calman from WEI.com. Pete Blackburn from CBS Sports. The big win last night for the Bruins, four to three. What stood out to you? Is the series over? Tortorella's guarantee. All of it coming up on WEI. You're listening to Sunday Skate with Ken Laird from the Mudd and Callahan Show and WEI.com Bruins writer Matt Kalman. Sunday Skate is brought to you by Wise Snacks and by Star Market, the official supermarket of the Boston Bruins. The secondary saves that he is making are very impressive, but um, he's definitely going to crack at some point. I have a lot of faith that we're going to start putting pucks past him here uh, pretty soon. So um, We've had some great opportunities today throughout all three periods to put pucks behind him. and um, Credit to him today, but we'll Overall, I don't think it's going to last. All right, Brandon Carlo, the uh, better guarantee to this point. It's time for our weekly segment here on Sunday Skate. Tuca or Puka, as inspired by Mark with a C. James. Well, so, let's just go back for one second here. Going. Wait, one second here, yeah. though. Brandon Carl did not tip his cap 
Remember that. He did not tip his cap, didn't give credit. He said, we're going to get this guy. That was after Game 3 when Bobrovsky stole the game. Exactly. Stole the game, tip your cap. Brandon Carlo knows where it's at. You don't tip your cap. You say you're going to beat the guy. You have to keep the right attitude. But did Bobrovsky not steal that game? Nobody steals anything. It was a a terrific game game for Bobrovsky. He had had one save on his back. He had uh, McAvoy blasted when he got an arm on in the third period with like five minutes to go in that game. Several ten bell saves. To use another hockey cliche. Saved Pete. by the post as well. Couple I mean, posts. Come on. Yes. Couple posts. Uh, uh, I, for as much talk as as Bobrovsky is getting, and he and that he got in the first half of this series, he's not been the better goalie. We want to talk about Tuka or Puka. Tuka or Puka. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Mark. Oh, God. <laughs> what is that accent? Now Rask. <laughs> yes, he from Mars. <laughs> Rasks, you know, gave up three goals. They were all pretty much all-world goals, right? There's nothing. The Kukan goal, the Zingle goal, the roof. The, the Seth Jones goal is the one, I guess, if you want to criticize him for it. He, but he, it went he off hugged Grizzly the post like, as best as he could. Yeah, I mean, I would say that goal and the Bobrovsky, the first one, the, the one he fanned on, are kind of the same. And he did his best job of covering the camera. He tried. To, to, to make sure that there was no conclusive look. I think the Bruins... Tried to cover the camera. I have to give credit. Mick Collagio pointed it out, but you watch Sean Corelli, Corelli skates in there late and positions his body awkwardly. Like, what is he doing? And I think they were, I think they were covering the camera. I think these guys are wising up. Yeah, Oof. he draped himself right over the back of the net. I exactly. thought he was doing the same thing, and I thought Tuka was trying to cover the the, the cam that right. the cam. camera that was inside yep. the net. Smart. Well, Rask had stopped sixty-one straight shots, and Columbus had one goal in uh, one hundred and thirty-seven minutes of hockey until Seth Jones, and then Dzingel, and then Kukan. So <clears throat> he's obviously playing great. He, he had a few terrific saves in that sequence too. What's what was the best save of the night from Rask uh, of the sequence? Like Atkinson got in tight with two minutes to go before Pasta scored. The one in the second period where he made the two saves, the stick save, and then he made a pad save on Atkinson. Right? That's the that's a game turner yeah, right Foligno there. Yeah, had one in tight too. Yeah, right. Because they score in the second Carla period, Carla turned it over on that sequence. Yeah. Wenberg forced right. them. It was a rare misplay by Carla, right. your guy. If they score uh, in the second period, that gives them a whole period of momentum to build off of. Some and actually, Krug got called for hooking right after that. So it was yeah. a bad sequence, a giveaway, a penalty, and Rask had to be good. Tuka uh, or Puka? He had a glove save through it. The, the only chance on the power play, Felino got in tight. Somehow he, he undressed Chara there in the second period. Chara was bad the entire game. Bad. God, was Very he awful. Every time I hear that, I've ever seen today. Every time I hear that Mark James clip, I picture that photo <laughs> of him wearing that like three sizes too tight Bruins jacket from the eighties. He asked us to delete that photo in his, his next <laughs> appearance, but we now we just retweeted it. Every it's, time. I think it's the one that Sam Malone wore on Cheers. <laughs> uh, Mark with the C James is is he's making a name for himself. <laughs> But I would, yeah, yes, Rask has been better. It's close, though. Bobrovsky has been good. I mean, like, people get upset when you credit Bobrovsky. He has been excellent in the series. Yeah, he wasn't tested much in the first half of the series. Nobody, the Uh, the goaltending just isn't that too big of a, that's the problem. He's had a couple of bad goals, I guess. One went off his glove. Uh, Yeah, I mean, if you catch a piece of it, you probably should stop it, I guess. He made made some nice saves, but overall, I think if if the Bruins had played to their potential, they would have broken him in the first half of the series yeah. they just weren't playing well i think i think yeah i think they weren't playing well i think it took two things i think one they were tired i hate to use that as an excuse i'll give them a little bit of the tired part and i think it took them some a while even though the the coaching staff gives you the strategy i think it took them some while just to adjust to playing to a different kind of team it just you know what you're supposed to do you know what the team's going to do you know the tendencies but you, you play seven games against a team like toronto and it's totally a 180 I think that that was a huge difference here. It was just getting used to the new style, the, the different style. All right, if Tuca's been their best player in the series, who's been two? Has Bergeron been 
good good enough the entire series to be that. He had, of course, the giveaway and the penalty. Oh, McAvoy's the up there loss. for sure. I think it's McAvoy. Um, you know, if you want to count what Coyle gave you in the in the early part, and then he's playing fine now. He's been great. The, and and Corrali has been huge. I mean, it's 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 really been a kind of a team effort in the series because early the top sure. guys weren't there, and here this last couple of games they have been. Um, so they've well, balanced it out. But you're right, Mac. Maybe McAvoy should be considered because without him, I don't know where they would be. And Carlo too. I mean, look at the the games Carlo has played, the long games, and the fact that uh, I don't think Tori Krug has played great five on five, and I think Carlo's you know covered up a lot of his miscues and deficiencies. Now, real quick, to look ahead to Carolina, because this series is not over, of course, and the Bruins came back from down 3-2 against the Leafs, and we saw, you know, it's it's certainly possible that Bobrovsky Ho- steals another yeah. game. And, and hopefully if the Bruins win, we get to <laughs> interview the pig. The pig? Hamilton the pig. Do we get to interview the pig? Oh, Dougie Hamilton. <laughs> not no, Dougie. not oh, Dougie They Hamilton. actually have a pig called yeah. Hamilton the pig. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. They carry him around in a little wheel wheelbarrow. Oh, I, I'm not aware wagon. of this. They do? Yeah. yeah. They, have a, they have a team pig. Since when? Uh, this year. This, the, the new mascot? Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean... This makes me hungry. It's, it's very nice of you to call Dougie Hamilton a pig, though. <laughs> well, you said Hamilton. I thought that was the guy you were talking about. Well, he's there, and he's... He, I mean, that's going to be a big focal point of the series if it's if it's the matchup. But they're a good team top to bottom, right? Despite being a wild card team. Does anybody fear Carolina yeah, in the next I round? Do. Absolutely. I, I think they really? Match up, I think they match up very well against the Bruins. Better than Columbus? Yeah. Definitely. Why? I, I, Why? From the outset, I've said that I'm not scared of Columbus because I think the Bruins match up pretty well against them. I think that you look at, at what Carolina has. They're a pretty speedy team. Uh, I know that that was sort of made a big deal with, with Toronto, but I think that they've got a lot of speed. They've got a great back end. Uh, their defense is, is unbelievable. Uh, I think that they can give the Bruins fits. Dougie Hamilton, Jacob Slavin, Justin Falk, Jacob Slavin is probably the most underrated defenseman in, in the National Hockey League, to be honest with you. Uh, so I, I do fear Carolina. Don't don't overlook them. Goaltenders, Curtis McElhaney and Peter Morazic. Now, that's not something that'll scare you. And <laughs> but they got them this far. That's the I, problem. I Everyone keeps saying, oh, when's the, when's the bubble? I, I didn't believe in them. I, th- I didn't think they could make the playoffs. I didn't think they'd win a round, and th- those two goalies don't go away. So I, I'm not going to chalk that up as a as a negative at this point because this happens sometimes. You find these goalies, they come out of nowhere and, and do it. And, and they get a sweep and now they get rest. They get the rest. But not and, too much. It doesn't appear because the series would start when? Saturday, we think, would be yeah, game Yeah, well, it'll be, a, it'll be a week off. But but uh, Columbus had, they were off from a Columbus Tuesday had nine, to a Thursday. Yeah, Columbus had nine days. This will be about seven or eight. So, uh, But yeah, rested and healthy. You know, Furland hasn't played yeah, at all. That's the biggest thing for, for Carolina. Get him back. Is that they're they're going to get guys some some rest and and, and, uh, and get them healthy. And their they've, defense, they've had a lot of injuries. I mean, yeah. Mrazek got hurt. Uh, I know Van Riemsdyk is not coming back, but Furland can come back. Svechnikov just came back from uh, head injury, so uh, that rest for them is going to be huge. Rod Brindamore, good coach, former player, obviously he's fired up. Guy. He's yeah, a fiery he's guy. So, but yet, but, but not, yet, not like uh, Tortorella. Oh, the oh. guy, the guy was a, a player in the, a, a Hall of Fame caliber. Was he in the Hall of Fame? Is he? No, I don't not think yet. So. A Hall of Fame caliber player. Won a Stanley Cup, at least one, right? And is coaching the NHL, but I've never heard him say somebody has a stupid question. Like, how about accomplishing something before you start calling people stupid? Can we play and get Torts' uh, response? What was the question even? It was, it was just it was, basically, you know, what did it do to your team that you scored I a goal that was in the third? Somewhat of a stupid question. I, I hear it, it every day from TV and radio people. It's a question they need to get to 
to, well, you know, to fill this well, story, he's right, to fill though, the that air, it, it is a question a that, you, that the reporter knows the answer to, but you're right. They, right, they want how, do you, that, how do you feel about finally getting a goal? It's a, he it's was a, like, oh, what do you think? After a like, loss. Yeah. Did you just need to see a goal go in, Seth getting the one, and obviously took the replay. What kind of lift did that give you just to see one go in? You know the answer. Don't ask stupid questions right now, guys. Ask me some questions that mean something, not that you have the answer to. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Here's my two-pronged response. First of all, if 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 he just if you don't want to answer the question, just say it was a great lift and move on. Just be snippy that way. The second thing is, I if you just slip, if it, if this was a, a nice person who slipped in the heat of the moment and said stupid, okay, whatever. If you thought he might go back afterward and, and address the guy and say I didn't mean that, but this is a guy with a track record of being a jerk to everyone who you know steps over the line to something he doesn't think is appropriate. Don't ask me about well, my that, lineup. Don't that ask answer, me about. That answer is a million times more entertaining than whatever other answer you might have been like expecting. Like Belichick would have done what you just said. He right. would have given a yeah, gave us a lift or something uh, like that, you know. And then but he would have got There's no reason to there's no reason to treat people like that. What does he think he is? One of our texters? Don't ask stupid questions right now. Yeah, do you you've been itching to read the text line. Can you read a couple? Uh, I don't know. Can you scroll this up because I can't see the best ones. Oh. You, yeah, you, right. you need the, the best most. ones are just uh, Matt Kelman sucks like four times in a row. That this, this might be this, this I don't do know. that one. Okay, you get the Dale Arnold text line <laughs> um, twisted over to you while while he does that. All right. Cassidy, on the other hand, is like so in depth. Like Tortorella won't talk X's and O's. Cassidy talks about everything. Yeah. There's nothing he blows off, which is tremendously refreshing. And it's not it's not affecting his team in a negative way. So why does Tortorella not want to talk? Hockey X's and O's. Are we really going to give away that many secrets of your power play structure? And uh, it's, yeah, I mean, it's it's just his mo, I guess, to be the. At the end of the day, if if the other team knows what you're doing, they should know what you're doing. But it just comes down to whether you execute it or not. Right, I just exactly. think that Cassidy has has more confidence in his guys being able to execute, and he doesn't have a an an mo of. Wanting to be a jerk. I do think there's a certain extent that Tortorella wants to, be, wants a jerk. to be a jerk. Now, he's got to embrace it. In fact, in fact, he got away from it in Vancouver and it hurt him. Now, Kalman yeah. asked the question this of Pasternak last year where he said it was a stupid question. Yep. What was, I, what was last your question year, Last year, they were struggling against Tampa, and I just said, what are you going to do to score more goals? And, and he, he said, said, that's a stupid question. But then, you know, afterwards, I guess. Afterward, he says, I'm sorry, you know. He apologized for you. He's a nice guy. He's <laughs> a guy. human. Give me some oh, text. so this is my sports radio indoctrination. I'm finally, yeah. I'm finally on the radar, Pete. I'm finally famous because it's the same guy over and over, and I have to assume it's Felger. Because if you, <laughs> you you listen to the language of this, you'll know it's Felger. He's got to be up t- texting me away here. What do we got? Says Matt Cowman is a total d bag. I despise <laughs> him, and he knows blank about hockey. He said Claude is a right far so better far. coach than Cassidy. Defends expletive Chara. Defends Tuca no matter what. Get him off. Bickburn, great. Kalman is a bitter, failed weasel of a crappy hockey writer. I like this guy. Kalman sucks. Kalman sucks. (laughs) Kalman ripping Don Cherry is pathetic. Don Cherry would beat the living expletive out of that ferret Kalman. (laughs) Claude is a better coach. Think you could beat Don Cherry in a fight right now? I can beat Don Cherry? No. Do you think he's psycho? You think, you think Claude's a better coach than uh, Cassidy? Because you were a big Claude defender. That's Claude, a fair stupid question. Right? <laughs> Claude was the right coach at the right time, and I, I have admitted that, that they made the right move in, the, in the retrospect. Obviously, clearly you can't argue against the move they made, and Bruce is a different kind of coach. I think Claude Julian showed this year in Montreal that he's not washed up like everyone was saying. He got a really bad Montreal team within a hair of the playoffs. So, 
All right, more text uh, fun from Matt Common as we continue. Sunday skate leading up to 10 o'clock where we've got Reamer, Bradford, and Wiggy coming in. And they're upset that they've been bumped, so they will be feisty. I'm sure they'll be talking about it. Here's a good one. Who is this idiot on the radio? Dale's illegitimate son? (laughs) He did do the foreword for Dale's book. I co-wrote the book. book. Dale doesn't often admit that. Uh, That's if these walls could talk. The Dale Arnold. uh, These walls could talk. The Boston Ruins. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Pick it up anywhere where books are sold. We've got final thoughts on Sunday Skate. If you want to join us, do it. 617-779-7937 at Sports Radio WEI. You're listening to Sunday Skate with Ken Laird from the Mud and Callahan Show and WEEI.com Bruins writer Matt Kalman. Sunday Skate is brought to you by Wise Snacks and by Star Market, the official supermarket of the Boston Bruins. Did you know that the first buck went in? Were you, did you agree? Or? No, I don't, I don't know. I, I can't see. You know, I'm just trying to cover the post. Um, I felt it, I think it hit my pad or something, and then uh, when the puck came loose, it was it was not in. So I, I don't I didn't see it. I don't know. I'm sure it was in because they looked for it for ten minutes. So I don't know. I gotta trust that. Stuka Rask, the MVP of the series. If you uh, will go by Pete Blackburn, Matt Kalman's analysis, the number one star in the po- the cons my favorite of the Bruins at this point, right? And outplaying Sergei Bobrovsky. I I gotta uh, admire Rask's post-game attitude. He's always just mm. like, nothing phases him. I don't. I thought uh, that sounded sarcastic. Well, yeah, he's sarcastic. That's true. He's a little sarcastic at times. You can get a little snippy at times. But mostly he seems like a guy that does, he legitimately does not care about criticism thrown his way. He's heard it all at this point uh, through the that's, last, what would you that's say? That's what they love about six him. Six years? That's what the Bruins love about him. He's one of the guys. He when did it care. start? When did peak anti-Tuka sentiment start? Was it right after the cup uh, loss? And Yeah, it's got to be after that for sure. And it's it's st- been Although, steady since. Even even during the Vezina year, which was the year after that, they were the rapping big- on him because they lost to Montreal. So true. He got outdueled by Carey Price in a seven game series, so it makes him terrible. Right? Most so. new, but most people that are new to the Bruins in the last couple of years would say, "Why does this guy get the heat?" That and you he know, gets? well, you know what too is we should. I always try to point this out. You know, there's some loudmouth radio hosts and some callers and some columnists who are like that and there's definitely a segment of the fan base on social media who's like that but I've never maybe once in 10 years I've heard Tuca be booed at the garden it's always Tuca it's not boo there's social support for him he's popular you know you see the Tuca jerseys this isn't like uh, get this guy out of town from the people who are paying the money to go to the games at least right yeah I mean I, I somewhat get the the argument that he's overpaid over the past couple of years. Sure, why not? But because now actually he's been a, a tandem goaltender for the last yeah. two years. Right. Well, he's, I, open and well, he's part of that's this. Fine, but right. as soon as it gets to Tuca sucks, that's where I step in. <laughs> that's and just say, it. Are you kidding me? You watch the rest of the league. There are goaltenders all over the place who absolutely stink. And the overpaid part is just like Krejci. You could say is overpaid because it was still the era where people were paying for past performance right. instead of paying for future, like they're going to do now. Um, and yeah, the two. I mean, the, the numbers don't lie, and we know. I mean, it's it's so exhausting, right? I mean, every. I think everyone. I don't know about when Haggerty was here, but I'm pretty sure every. Dot com writer was a Tuker could gave you the support right from DJ to Ty to me. It was mm-hmm. we yes. could tell you Tuka we could, Hulks. Tuka we could you know, and I'm the king of the apologists. Yep. Don't you forget it. <clears throat> And uh, well, if he blows game six and seven, <laughs> uh, but you, you it's, sure just, that. it's just, I think, and mostly it's because of the younger generation coming in. They don't remember what it was like around here before Tim Thomas, who obviously had to f- win the job several times from Manny Fernandez and Fatuka and, and from Andrew Raycroft and whoever. And uh, the revolving door that was the Blaine Locker, you know, you name it, guys coming in and here, John Graham. Yeah. 
So well, clearly, Tim Thomas was their uh, Conn Smythe winner in the Cup year. We'll see if Rask is on his way to that this year, and then maybe a White House controversy too to follow. Just to come full circle. But he he well, looks like a guy. He had a legitimate. It is a, it is a different sport. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. David Backus and Tory Krug will be there. Don't worry. Oh, they will be. Oh, uh, there'll be, oh, pl- there'll be plenty. There'll be plenty of guys on the Bruins there. I'm sure. Okay, but Rask had a personal issue this year, right? He had something yeah. going on off the ice. Right. I don't know if that's affected him on the ice at all, but he has the attitude of a guy who's like been through hell and does not care anymore. I think I don't think his attitude's changed. I think his no. attitude's the same. I think that's why he's always been one of the guys. He's not the goalie that you can't, you know breathe on him wrong in the locker room or look at him. He's always just been a, a hanging out kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Him and Sean Thornton hang out in the boat or whatever, you know. That's just a regular guy. And he doesn't uh, – I, I don't believe that he doesn't hear yeah, some I, of it I, or read I, it. I, I was he say, just doesn't care. To a personal extent, I, I think that he takes it personally, uh, some of the hate that he gets here. And I'm sure that he, he hears about it. Sure. And uh, – I think to a certain extent that it's motivated him this year. Now, before we get out of here, the top line has indeed, quote, stepped up the last couple of games. Are they back? Are you convinced yep. that they now are to a point where they're on track and they own this series and the matchups? They're going to be good It all goes back six. to the punch. The Martian, that's the Qu- hit that turned it Air around? Air quotes, punch. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was a bit overblown after game four uh, yeah. that they were, quote, unquote, uh-huh. back because they got a lot of their production on the power play. I want to see them... Play better at five on five. I mean, they they played really really well last night, and so if you can get that for a couple games in a row, then I'll I'm be willing to say that they're back. But uh, certainly a good sign that they had the production that they did last night. Columbus will get last change, but uh, you know and they had mostly Seth Jones. He's yeah, never leaves the ice he's, anyway, so he's, he's out, out there, there the whole game. It doesn't matter. I mean, the, the last change isn't going to bother them if they keep playing the way they play. I mean, that winning goal is a perfect example of what they have to do. Indeed. All right, boys. We'll talk to you next uh, Sunday. Uh, win or lose in this series, we'll have yeah. a final Sunday skate if they're oh, out. Four if, hours. I don't know. Maybe. We're trending <laughs> if, that way. If Rich Keith wants to listen to this and he can't keep up with me, he can listen on like half speed. They do that now on the Good. apps. You want a shot for Dale before you go too? Oh, I'm his illegitimate son according to the text line, so I can't <laughs> I can't insult daddy. <laughs> All right. Dale, have a good hockey talk tomorrow, I am sure. Uh, coming up next, it is Bradfoe, Reamer, Wiggy, the spectacular. They got bumped an hour, so they're a little salty. Well, two of the three. Reamer's happy because they got an extra hour to sleep in. They'll be good. 10-1 to up until Red Sox pregame. We'll talk to you next week. See you.